opportunity uh, to welcome all our viewers um, on the internet who are watching us live at this time. We want to say a welcome to the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church. Um, for those who are listening on the radio, it's always a pleasure to have you uh, listening in and, and, and sharing in God's word with us here at Abundant Life. Um, we take it a, a privilege just to have you uh, listening, and we have heard from you. Some of you have written to us, and some of you uh, have been to this church because of the ministry we have had on the radio. So we also want to thank you for joining us uh, online as well. Um, for those who don't know as yet, we are located at 1720 North J Street. Um, uh, you may visit us at any time whenever you're in town or you just want to find out to have a live experience of what we are doing here at Abundant Life. Our speaker today is uh, no stranger. Um, he is uh, a father to some of us, uh, a brother to many of us. He's our senior pastor, and he'll be uh, uh, sharing the word to us today. So we invite you to uh, grab your Bibles and follow along in our study of God's word. Before he comes to us, Dr. Calvin B. Rock, before he comes, um, we will hear again from our mass choir. Right after that, you will hear the voice of our senior pastor, Dr. Calvin B. Rock, hear ye him.
Thank you so much, choir and musicians. Our choir sounds good. Our choir looks good. We thank God for their energies and their efforts to glorify God here in the sanctuary. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we do sing praises unto thee. And our prayer now as we open the word is not I but Christ be seen. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, whose character and nature and ministry we now discuss, we ask that you will do that miracle thing that only heaven can do to bless and educate and empower us in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I examined my notes on the first half of the discussion that we conclude today. Some of you remember we dealt with the Holy Spirit, the greater light and the lesser light. And it was my intention on that Sabbath back in September, really, or October, the first Sabbath of October, to finish up the next week or two. But we've had a lot of special days and a lot of enjoyable visiting ministers who have blessed us. So today is my first opportunity since the first Sabbath of October to do the other half. You'll also recall, those of you who are consistent and who are part of the church here, that it all began with a discussion of the true church as stipulated in the book of Revelation where we are given in Revelation chapter 12 verses 17 the twin indications of God's people in the last days who would be preaching his true gospel. And we discovered that Revelation 12, 17 says the devil would make war with the woman, which is the church, who keep the what, everybody? Commandments of, Commandments of God. So that's one thing we found out. God's truth-preaching people would be people who preach and teach and keep the commandments of God. And the other thing we discovered is that the scripture says they would also hold the testimony of Jesus. And we compared that with Revelation 19.10 and we're reminded that the testimony of Jesus is none other than the gift of prophecy. And we took the next step and we're reminded that prophecy is one of the many gifts that we read of in Ephesians and Corinthians that God has given to his church by the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we emphasize the fact that the last commandment keeping prophet, true prophet, 
that we know of, the one who called herself the lesser light is none other than the prophet Ellen White who was in the foundation of the beginning of the Seventh-day Adventist Church who had many many communications and miraculous visions where she fulfilled all of the physical and spiritual signs of a true prophet the physical signs being loss of breath, being without breath for 30 minutes, an hour. Miraculous, either the devil or God. And we know it had to be God because the devil wouldn't do the good things she did or say the good things she said. The physical evidences which had, which had to do with supernatural strength that God gave her, a very weak frame, 90 pounds, very sickly when she was a baby and when she was young. Tragic accident in the third grade that marred her face, prevented her from going to school, suffered physical ailments, all during her youthful years. But God chose this weak vessel because of her consecration and dedication and trusted her with the gift of prophecy. Prophecy meaning foretelling the future and forthtelling and proclaiming the word of God to his people. And we exhibited on a table here, you recall, some of her books, many of them for counsel, for families and individuals, institutions and churches, but others to the broad church. And we remember her own description that I am the lesser light and our position as a church that Ellen White does not originate any doctrine. She is not the source of doctrine. Even though she is God's special messenger, she is not on par with the Bible. She's not to be recognized as a part of the canon, but nevertheless, one who had the gift, especially used by God, and who not only by physical, but in her spiritual tests, and by their fruits ye shall what? Ye shall know them. She proved to be a blessing to the church as it was formulated then, as all of those churches, and I'm giving you just a quick review of what we've already studied, as all of those different branches came out of the Reformation, the Baptists and the Methodists for 1,200 years from 538 to 1798 during the Dark Ages, the Bible was hidden and prevented from being distributed among the people until finally in the latter part of the Reformation, we had the printing press and other great technological developments that gave the people the Bible to read. And when we burst out of the Dark Ages in 1798, when the Pope was taken captive by Berthier, Napoleon's general, and Protestantism rose to the fore. We came out of the Catholic Church. We came out of the Catholic Church. Baptists and Methodists and Presbyterians and Nazarenes and Anglicans and, and all of the other denominations that we know are prominent in the world today. And amongst them were groups called Adventists. And there was a group called Sabbatarians. 
and the Sabbatarians kept the Sabbath and the Adventists looked forward to the second coming of Christ and in the 1840s the two of them got together those who were keeping the Sabbath and those who were looking forward to the second coming the second coming people didn't know anything about the Sabbath and the Sabbath people didn't know anything about the second coming not much but they got together and studied and became the Seventh-day Adventist Church and Ellen White was raised up by God to help put it together and so we went to the Bible the greater light and we spent the whole Sabbath on the third of October talking about the greater light and how it is the source of doctrine and the only source of salvation and we examine the spirit of prophecy and we examine the Holy Spirit in the word today we take the second step and that is the examination of the Holy Spirit in the lesser light as of course it helps us to understand the greater and I should like to make my first reference that of the book selected messages volume 1 page 156 volume 1 page 156 and I want you to hear what this prophet has to say which I think says as much as anything else and I quote Christ the great teacher had an infinite variety of subjects from which to choose but the one upon which he dwelt most largely was the endowment of the Holy Spirit what great things he predicted for the church because of this endowment yet what subject is less dwelt upon now what promise is less fulfilled an occasional discourse talking to us preachers now an occasional discourse is given upon the Holy Spirit and then the subject is left for after consideration an occasional discourse and because we don't talk about the Holy Spirit enough the third person of the Godhead the Holy Spirit who is equal with the Father and equal with the Son the Holy Spirit who's one of the three who work together as one who was promised by Jesus as the comforter to his people the Holy Spirit was more in Jesus theology and discussion than the Sabbath, than loving your neighbor, than the church, than Moses and the prophets, than second coming, than heaven, than hell, than tithing, than the judgment. Jesus spoke more about the Holy Spirit than anything else. And he did so for good reason. In the first place, he was exalting, no doubt, what the Holy Spirit has done in the past. And he has always been active in the church. Some people think that it all started at Pentecost. Not so. The Holy Spirit is found right in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It was the Holy Spirit who moved upon the face of the deep. 
God authorized it. Jesus spoke it. Psalms. But the Holy Spirit did the work. The Holy Spirit has been here from the beginning. You read again where Gideon was filled with the Spirit. The Spirit of God came upon Gideon. And David says, let not the Spirit of God depart from me. And the Bible says that Saul lost the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit departed from him. The Holy Spirit was on Samson over and over again in the Old Testament. We read where the Holy Spirit was active. But the Holy Spirit, Jesus knew, would take up special office at his departure. And so over and over again, not only in his farewell prayer and will just before he went to Calvary, but throughout his ministry, he exalted the Spirit. And he said in John 14, verse 12, greater works than I will he do. Now, some people are stumped by that. And they say, how, if the Holy Spirit is equal with Jesus, how can we say he's going to do greater works than Jesus? Well, Jesus could only be in one place at a time. And when he says that the Holy Spirit will do greater works than I'm doing over in the book of John 14, 12, what he's really saying is that while I am here and I have to walk here and I have to go, now not that he couldn't have in his God self, he is omnipresent, you know. God omni meaning everywhere and all. He is everywhere at once and if he wanted to, but as a servant of humanity, he was only one place at a time. But he says, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be everywhere at once. And because he's going to be everywhere at once, the church will be able to do greater works than I'm doing. Not more spectacular in any one event, but greater in scale because of his omnipresence. And I like the way the little book, My Life Today, page 36, gets into the subject. Christ determined that when he ascended from this earth, he would bestow a gift on those who believed on him and those who should believe on him. What gift would he bestow rich enough to signalize and grace his ascension to the mediatorial throne? It must be worthy of his greatness and his royalty. He determined to give his representative the third person of the Godhead. This gift could alone be not excelled. He would give all gifts in one. And therefore the divine spirit that converting, enlightening, and sanctifying power would be his donation. So, when Jesus left, he sent the Holy Ghost. He sent the Comforter. And he says, I'm giving you everything in this one package. Everything the church needs. No wonder he spoke more about it than any other subject. And the Holy Spirit, friends, the Holy Spirit who came on Pentecost and began his special Pentecostal work with the church in this dispensation, Christian dispensation, is our most needed power. It is our most needed authority and it is available to us 
You and I don't have that gift like we should, but I want to talk more about it, and I hope that when we leave, we'll be more understanding and more readily available. Why do we need, as individuals, let's look at it first of all. As individuals, we need the Holy Spirit. Why so? I read you now from the book Steps of Christ. And by the way, this is a book we're studying on Wednesday night. Pastor Lee Wars is doing a beautiful job. Try to be here at Wednesday night, no later than seven, and enjoy chapter five and on as we continue to study. But let me read you now from page 109. We can attain to an understanding of God's word only through illumination of that spirit which the word by which the word was given. I want, to, I want to slow down. The only way, according to the lesser light, the only way we're going to understand the word of God is if we are blessed to read it under the authority of the Holy Spirit who gave the word. Holy men of God, Peter says, spake as they were moved by what? By whom? by the Holy Spirit. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And only as we have the Holy Spirit with us do we understand what the Holy Spirit said. The Holy Spirit said it. So we must have him with us as we study it. And when we do, we receive power. God desires man, human beings, to exercise his reasoning powers, and the study of the Bible will strengthen and elevate the mind as no other study can. So what is the lesser light telling us? First of all, that we can't really understand the Bible unless we have the Holy Spirit to help us. Spiritual things are what? Spiritually discerned. And unless the Holy Spirit, which is why you can't read the Bible on the fly. Well, you can, but you don't get as much benefit as if you sit down and study and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to illumine your mind. We should never pick up the Bible and read it without first saying, now, Lord, this book is sacred. I don't know. I can't understand it on my own. Please send your Holy Spirit and, and help me to understand what I'm studying. And when we do, look what happens. The Bible strengthens and elevates our minds as no other power can do. You want to be real smart, ladies and gentlemen, read the Bible. The Bible is like a pencil sharpener. You take a pencil and put it in the sharpener, and the point gets so you can write, and it, it, you, you get rid of the dull, blunt point. The Bible is like a mind sharpener. You put your mind in the Word of God, and it makes you intelligent. It makes you discerning. It makes you... It makes you so that you can see the devil way off. It used to be the devil would be in our face, and we didn't know it. But when you study the Word of God, you get powers of discernment. You get so you can read people. You get so you can intuit circumstances. You get so you can make better decisions. 
But not only does the Bible benefit us intellectually, judgment-wise, the Bible also benefits us physically. And I'm going to quote you now, and we're dealing with the lesser light and the Holy Spirit. This is the book Medical Ministry, page 12. He will renew, speaking of the Holy Spirit, when we pray and the Holy Spirit works with us, he will renew every organ of the body. You want your liver to function a little better? Huh? Would you like for your pancreas to be at its maximum? Huh? Would you like this little pump up here that, that, that beats so many times a minute and, and that has to keep beating and pumping that blood can flow through our arteries and the veins to our extremities? Would you like for it to do its best? Then ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life. You want a pill for your aches? Take the Holy Ghost and call me in the morning. And I'll promise you that you'll have a testimony of God's goodness. Yes, it will renew every organ of the body. And the word goes on to say later, the influence of the Spirit of God is the very best medicine that can be received by a sick man or woman. So go on, now, now don't you run off and say, now Brother Rock said I don't need any more prescriptions. You take your medicine here. But along with your little pills, grab a hold of the Holy Ghost. Or let the Holy Ghost grab a hold of you. Heaven is all health. And the more deeply the heavenly influences are realized, the more sure will be the recovery of the believing invalid. A little secret. The world doesn't know. Being influenced by the Holy Spirit not only sharpens our minds, but it gives power to our bodies. And there's another power that the Holy Spirit gives. It gives spiritual power. Sons and daughters of God, page 226, it awakens a desire for holiness, or he awakens a desire for holiness. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about it. The power may be it, but he is a person. And when he comes, he gives a power that awakens a desire for holiness. The Holy Spirit changes our tastes. We used to just love to, 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 to eat certain things. But the Holy Spirit changes the taste. The Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit changes our priorities. The Holy Spirit fades out all the foolishness and all the junk and all the childishness and, and all of the unnecessary frivolity of life. And the Holy Spirit gives us a yearning to be like Jesus. The Holy Spirit gives us a love for the Bible. We used to love all those novels about they got married and he went away to war and, and she thought he wasn't coming back so she married somebody and then they found out he was alive and he came back and, 
and they got in the house and he came over and uh, on and on and on. All that junk goes away when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, changes our taste, and we find our deepest love in the things of the Word of God. And we find our deepest love in holiness. Our most happy moments in prayer meeting, if you please. Our most happy moments with the people of God. The Holy Spirit awakens a craving for holiness. The Holy Spirit, my life today, page 12, helps us overcome addictions. Anybody in here have addictions? Raise your, no, don't raise your hand. I got some. I got some addictions. I'm fighting. I've confessed a couple of times. I might not confess all of my addictions, but I, I confess that when I see chocolate, I don't even want to talk about it because it's an addiction. It makes me hungry thinking about it. But we have to fight, and it's the Holy Spirit that breaks these bonds, and we are able to overcome. The Holy Spirit not only erases, you know what they say habits are, some psychologists say that there are actually grooves on the brain, physical grooves where a certain electrical impulse strikes the brain the same way all the time. It makes a little microscopic groove on the brain and that's why it's so hard to get out of these habits because we've been doing this thing so long, the grooves are there, but the Holy Spirit fills up the old grooves and makes new grooves for the routing of the, of the right habits and the right way we ought to go. And the Holy Spirit is the only power that can do it. And the Holy Spirit, that's the desire of ages, page 391. I can't read you all these, but I want you to hear what the lesser light has to say. The Holy Spirit steps to Christ, page 52, gives us strength to resist evil. The Holy Spirit, second testimony, 260, and I like this one. The Holy Spirit refines us. The Holy Spirit makes ladies out of women and gentlemen out of men. The Holy Spirit refines us. The Holy Spirit will make you shine your shoes. The Holy Spirit will make you fix your tie. And the Holy Spirit will make you come to church on Sabbath looking like you thought about it before you left the house. That's right. The Holy Spirit is practical. When you have the Holy Spirit, you just don't get up and start throwing stuff. You try to match it up. Yeah. Yeah. Try to, you, try to present yourself. The Holy Spirit refines, and it refines your speech. The Holy Spirit doesn't leave a person gruff and rough, fussing and arguing and snapping at people and, and always laying somebody out. Step on me and I'll step on you. Hit my dog, I'll kill your cat. The Holy Spirit refines us. Talking in a practical way today, the Holy Spirit makes us gentle. The Holy Spirit makes us say, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it like that. The Holy Spirit makes us say, forgive me. The Holy Spirit refines us. And medical ministry, page 32, the Holy Spirit fixes scripture in our minds. 
Now, of course, before it can fix the scripture, you've got to study the scripture. <laughs> the Holy Spirit doesn't plant scripture in your mind. He's not going to plant it there. But if you study it, he'll fix it there. So when you need it in conversation or you need it when you're resisting evil or you need it when some temptation is bearing down, that scripture will come to mind and will fortify you for victory. The Holy Spirit inspires faith. Faith not to work on the Sabbath. Uh-oh. Keep going, preacher. You, you just keep on going. Don't stop there too long. Don't want anybody to think I'm talking about them. All right. The Holy Spirit inspires faith where you, where you would rather die than sin. Rather die than break the commandments of God. Rather die than wound the heart of Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that builds faith. Oh, this Holy Spirit business. The Holy Spirit breaks our infatuation with the world. Christ's obligation, page 56. And I don't like to trade too heavily on Las Vegas and the Strip, but, but, but the Holy Spirit will keep you from becoming fascinated with the world. It'll help you to have spiritual priorities and not worldly priorities. Second Testimonies, volume two, volume 2, page 270. The Holy Spirit will make you calm under abuse. The Holy Spirit will let you get beaten up. You know, I heard some people say, yeah, the Bible said turn the other cheek. But it doesn't say what to do after that. Yeah. They get all puffed up. Turn the other cheek. I turn once. I, you know. But the Holy Spirit will make you calm under abuse. Now there comes a time where you do have to stand up and defend yourself. There comes a time. And I am one of those believers in just wars. I don't believe in attacking other countries. But I believe there's such a thing as a just war. I believe in that. The Seventh-day Adventist Church has wrestled with this business about bearing arms. There was a time when we taught that um, you, shouldn't, you couldn't bear arms. Put you out of the church if you went into the army or the armed forces. And we had a great day last Sabbath, by the way. But if you, if you carried weapons back in the 40s and 50s, you had a problem with your church. Then they changed it and studied the Bible and, and said, no. Uh, you don't have to go into the medical corps. You can bear arms, but we hope that you don't have to kill. And that's where we are today. You may defend yourself. And it, there is such a thing as a just war. But on the other hand, these, these attitudes of ours that say because somebody talked about us or because we were mistreated, because we were denied, that we have to get revenge and we have to be defending ourselves all the time. The Holy Spirit allows us to be calm under abuse. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin, Evangelism 275, which simply means that even though we're walking with the Lord, if we are wrong and something is not right, the Holy Spirit will keep 
talking to us. The Holy Spirit gives us effective witness. Fundamentals of Education 240. And not only does the Holy Spirit give us mental power and physical power and spiritual power, the Holy Spirit gives us growing power. Prophets and Kings 169 says the Holy, Spirit's develop, the Holy Spirit develops our talents. Everyone who is baptized is given a spiritual gift. You already have talents that you had when you were born, but they are converted to a spiritual use. But in addition to your talents with which you were born, when you become baptized, which is one of the mysteries and the beauties of salvation, when you are baptized, the Holy Ghost gives you something you never had before. He gives you a gift. It's a part of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And not only does he give you that gift, and God help us please to know what those gifts are. And not only to know what they are, but to use them in his cause. But not only does he give us those gifts, he develops those gifts. And as we grow in grace, those talents increase. And we used to read the scripture, and we get up and we mumble, and nobody know what you're saying. But you keep on reading, keep on praying, and let the Holy Spirit get you right. And after a while, you get up there and say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And the people will say, Well, who is that? You know, look what's happened. The Holy Spirit develops our gifts. The Holy Spirit develops our fruits. The fruits of the Spirit that we studied a few months ago in some detail, the love, joy, peace, long-suffering. But it's not only for the church or for the individual. It is for the church as a whole that the Holy Spirit is given. He brings us all of these gifts whereby we are empowered to do God's work. In the book, Christ Object Lessons 378, the special gifts of the Spirit are not only talents represented in the parable, it includes all gifts and endowments, whether original or acquired, natural or spiritual, all are to be employed in Christ's service. And the Holy Spirit works with the members of the church in different ways. May I read, please, the book Evangelism 288 and 9. The Spirit of God is manifested in different waves upon different people. One under the mooding, movings of the power will tremble. His conviction will be so deep that a hurricane and tumult of feeling seems to rage in his heart. His whole being is prostrate prostrate under the convicting power of the truth. This is talking about those people for whom the Holy Spirit, to whom the Holy Spirit comes and you see them doing physical manifestations. Some people are like that. Some people, I used to hear the old folks say years ago, I remember when I was converted, my dungeon shook and my chains fell off. And I felt the moving from the sole of my feet till the top of my head. And the old folk could testify like that. And there's still some people who are affected by the Holy Ghost in ways that are bodily visible. And they shout and they shout amen. And, and they may wave their hand. 
And they, 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 they are physically demonstrative because that's how the Holy Ghost fills them. But there are others who are brought, I continue the quotation, in a more gentle way. Some folk just sit and cry. And the shouters can't make fun of the criers. And the criers shouldn't make fun of the shouters. Because the Holy Spirit works in different ways with different people. But there is one way that the Holy Spirit never works. And I want to read you that, may I? This is uh, second selected messages. And I'm going to read to you from page 36. There will be, and Ellen White is here talking about the last days. There will be shouting with drums, music, and dancing. Now, you know, there's nothing wrong with drums as long as they're played correctly, like we do here at Abundant Life. There will be shouting with drums, music, and dancing. The senses of rational beings will become so confused that they cannot be trusted to make right decisions. And this is called the moving of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going to talk about any denomination, but you use your imagination. The Holy Spirit never reveals itself in such methods, in such a bedlam of noise. This is an invention of Satan to cover up his ingenious methods for making of none effect the pure, sincere, elevating, ennobling, sanctifying truth for this time. A bedlam of noise shocks the senses and perverts that which, if conducted aright, might be a blessing. Yes, the Holy Spirit works in different ways, but never must we confuse noise and physical activity and a lot of demonstration. Now the Holy Ghost was sure there. And I see it all the time. People go to certain churches and, and, and all kind of noise and banging and jumping and hats falling sideways. I've seen it. Little old ladies. Hats askew and everybody. And when the service is over, what did he say? I don't know. I don't know. Nothing learned. Nothing to take out lasting. And the Bible reminds us that when God spoke to Elijah, it was what kind of voice? The still, small voice. It wasn't the hurricane. It wasn't the whirlwind, but God often speaks in the still, small voice. And finally, for the church, the Holy Spirit comes to the church and he puts down strife. When the Holy Spirit is in the church, there's unity. And not all these phone calls fussing and arguing. You know, all this unhappiness. The Holy Spirit doesn't work with that. Holy Spirit puts down strife. And, volume 9, page 20, the Holy Spirit cements hearts together. When the Holy Spirit is here, your heart is cemented with his heart. And her heart is cemented with his heart. The Holy Spirit cements us together. And, of course, my favorite, Acts of the Apostles, page 50, the Holy Spirit brings all other blessings in his train. 
No wonder Jesus talked so much about him. But in spite of all of this, the Holy Spirit is lacking. Why? Well, number one, the Holy Spirit is lacking because we preachers have not the Holy Spirit like we ought to have. Start with myself. If I did better, if I prayed more, and I do pray, if I studied more, and I do study, if I did God's will better, and I try to do his will, but if I did better, I would be more usable by the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want today. I want God to give me a bigger boat. I want God to give me a bigger boat so that as I sail out where sinners are drowning, I'll have more room in the boat to bring more people in to the place of God. So the lack of the Holy Ghost begins in the pulpit. And we, your pastors, must plead for more of his presence. But then, of course, and that's Gospel Workers, page 284. That's what the lesser light says. Preacher, it starts with you. But... It also talks about the general membership. Why don't we have more of the Holy Spirit? Because we have so many prayerless believers. Prayerless believers. Come to church, make an appeal, stand up, come down, pray, go home and forget about it the next Sabbath. Prayerless believers. We have too many fake believers. Volume 4, page 247. Happy Sabbath doesn't mean a thing. Doesn't mean a thing. Living a double life. Too many covetous believers, Acts of the Apostle 72. Doubting believers, Christian Service 118. Fearful believers, Gospel Workers 261. Lazy believers, Councils of Teachers, Parents and Teachers 278. Uncooperative believers, Volume 7, page 197. Sabbath-breaking believers. You want to know why we don't have... This church running over and people sitting in the foyer and hanging out the windows. You want to know why we haven't had to break out a wall as yet? Because we have too many Sabbath-breaking Seventh-day Adventists. I don't mean just those who work on the Sabbath sometimes. And we're, we're going to work with them. You cannot be a member of this church and work on the Sabbath. And I know about it. Not long. Because I want the Holy Ghost to come in here, and I don't want to be the Jonah, and by God's grace, any other Jonah, I'm going to try to work with it. If the board will back me up. I can't do it by myself. Too many, and look at this one, volume 5, page 365. Too many believers who are marrying non-believers. Uh-oh. Now, I didn't write this. I wouldn't have the nerve to write it. But too many Adventists marrying non-Adventists. It retards the Holy Spirit. Too many sharp-tongued believers. Too many, and that's Councils and Stewardship 115. Too many evil surmising. Oh, how evil surmising we are. People see something, and instead of giving it the best construction, they always give it the worst. Why are we like that? Why we like that? We, we figure there must be something up. Always some, some devious, some, some, you know, something's wrong. Evil surmising about your brother, 
about your sister, about the program of the church. And here's a good one, volume two, page 442, too many secret sins, believers. Secret sins. You have any secret sins, brother, sister? If so, the Holy Ghost cannot fully accept and cannot fully use, and you are holding back the evangelistic work of the church. So what are we going to do? The preacher, the people, what are we going to do? Christ's object lessons, page 147, we must pray. Ellen White says in this quote, don't have time to read it, she says, take your Bible in your hand and plead with the Lord and say, Lord, please send your spirit. We must pray for the spirit and we must obey. We must obey. It is when we obey that we are given the Holy Spirit as well. So we got to pray, we got to long, we got to desire, and we also have to obey. And this obedience, and I might as well tell the whole story here, this obedience includes what you eat. I know some folks are saying, why did I come to church today? <laughs> but it's my job to tell the whole truth. And listen to what the word says. And the reason you're here is because I was praying. I said, Lord, bring the people and bring everybody who needs it. So listen, sit still. Eating, drinking, and dressing all have a direct bearing upon our spiritual advancement. The Spirit of God, this is Councils on Diets and Food, page 57, cannot come to our help and assist us in perfecting Christian characters while we are indulging our appetites to the injury of health and while pride continues. And on page 62, irregularity is not only what you eat, it's when you eat it. Irregularity in eating and drinking and improper dressing, there it is again, deprave the mind and corrupt the heart and bring the noble attributes of the soul to slavery of animal passions. So our eating and our drinking must also be in accordance with the Word of God if we are to have the full presence of the Holy Spirit. And when we eat right, we feel better. And when our minds are sharper, as we've said, and, and we're able to understand. And this is the one, one of the reasons that Adventists used to not go to movies. Notice I said used to not. And I hope you still don't go. It used to be a test of fellowship. It used to be when you went to the movies, the board found out and you, you know, you had problems. Well, we somehow have gotten away from making that an issue, but may I suggest that going to movies is one of the habits that we've picked up that is detrimental because the movies are full of violence, the movies are full of sentimentalism, the movies are full of crime, the movies are novels that have been dreamed up by somebody's unsanctified imagination. And thank God we can go rent a good movie somewhere and bring it into our home and bring it into our church and show it to our young people. We don't have to go to the movie houses to be entertained. 
And because the movies are unrestrained in what they show, and we become addicted to sex and, and to crime and to violence and to the evil imagination of people that don't know the Lord. And the only reason they're writing these stories and these books and these movies is to make money. They had nothing to do with spirituality. And when we become hooked on that and we let our children go to the movies, we're setting ourselves up for a loss of the love of spiritual things and the result is a diminution of the Holy Spirit. And so, the lesser light is very clear in backing up and sustaining the greater light. And if we are to be blessed abundant life with the Holy Spirit, we must now pray and obey. We must pray and obey. And as we study the Word of God, He will give us the power to understand to pray, to obey, and as we all pray together, and as we all obey together, we'll see the great blessing. Now, I want to ask you to do something. Listen carefully, then I have an appeal. This is Selected Messages, Book 1, page 191. Today, you are to give yourself to God, that you may be emptied of self, emptied of envy, jealousy, evil surmising, strife, everything that would dishonor God. Today, you are to have your vessel purified that it may be ready for the heavenly dew, that's the Holy Ghost, ready for the showers of the latter rain. For the latter rain will come and the blessings of God will fill every soul that is purified from every defilement. You see, the Holy Ghost is compared to oil, is soothing, is compared to the dove, it is gentle, it is compared to the fire because it purifies. All these are symbols of the Holy Spirit in the lesser light and the greater light. But one of my favorite descriptions of the Holy Ghost is its comparison to the wind. Jesus said in the book of John chapter 3 that the wind listeth where it will and where it will is where it finds a vacuum. The wind doesn't go into where there is already filled space but it is when the vacuum occurs that the wind comes in and when we empty ourselves of pride and hardness of heart and our addictions and, and our doubts and our fears and our gossiping and our envying and our misuse of God's money, His tithe, and our bad Sabbath keeping, whatever your problem may be or mine may be, when we get those out of the way, then the Holy Spirit can come in. He can fill the vacuum. And the lesser light says, then we will be fitted for the refreshing from the presence of the Lord, fitted for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
I want to have the baptism. I want to be more available and more used. And I'm going to call, first of all, on the elders of this church. If you are serious with me in leading this church to higher heights spiritually, I wonder if my elders would join me down front now in consecration today. A serious subject like this demands a serious response. And I want the elders, just come right here, come right down front, let the people see you, and let them know that you join. You join me in saying, yes, Lord, I want everything out of my life. I don't want to hate anybody, dislike anybody. I don't want any addictions to keep me back. I promise by the grace of God, as a leader in this church, that I won't be the Jonah, I won't be the one holding it back. And there are others in here. What about board members? You're not an elder, but you are a member of the church board, meaning you are a leader. Would you join your elders in consecration today and saying, yes, I yield. Right here in the middle of this city, right in these times, if you join, Mr. Board Member, Sister Board Member, stand and come on down, won't you please? You see, brothers and sisters, Jesus emptied himself. He divested everything he had in glory to come into this world to die for you and me. He gave up everything and went to the cross and died between two thieves. And the indication is that the cross in the middle was where the chief of the sinners was crucified. But Jesus died upon the cross in pain and shame, having given up everything. And I wonder if you, church, and I dare not conclude this sermon, this serious exposition of the Holy Spirit's need and presence without asking the church in general, and if you don't mean it, it's, it's better you don't stand. Because if you don't mean it and you stand, then you lie into the Holy Ghost. But if you love Jesus enough that you will join us leaders in saying, yes, I want my life to be a conduit for the Holy Ghost to abundant life. Would you stand where you are? If you love Jesus that much. Jesus, who left all and emptied all for you, and if you're struggling with something and you don't think you mean it, it's okay. We'll be praying for you. Oh Lord, this is your church. These are your leaders. These are your people. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, we're all condemned. From the pulpit to the pews, we're all condemned. None of us is innocent. And so we all come before you today in re-consecration and dedication. And as we leave this place, Lord, may his presence rest heavily in every heart. May we never forget the critical role of the Holy Spirit in the life of your people. And while the church stands, leaders and members, you who may not be a Seventh-day Adventist, but you love the Lord, 
and you would like to become a full-fledged Sabbath keeper and a member of a church like this, where we understand it is not by might nor by power, but by God's Spirit that we are saved and the work is done. And you would like to become a member. Raise your hand right where you are and let God see. Are you there? All right, come, son. You come on down. Young man, come on down. We want you to come down and join us here. That's fine. If you're not a member, if you're already a member, it's okay. We understand. But if you're not a member and you would like to become one, come on down. Let our Bible workers shake your hand. Who else? Father in heaven, not by might nor by power, not by eloquence, but by the sweet influence of your Holy Spirit, fill our hearts. And may the word be as seed in good soil to bring forth fruits of righteousness unto eternal life. We ask in Jesus' name, let all the people say, Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We may go back to our seats. Now before the benediction, all of you who feel the urge to do the prayer walk with Elder Hudson, myself, and others, if you will remain seated while the others leave, and I hope most of you will remain, we will divide ourselves into four sections, four maybe 30, 40 minutes, no more, of a prayer walk, just a block or two. Will you join us, please? Come to the front, and we will soon have you organized. We'll be gone. We'll come back and eat and enjoy the fellowship. And God bless you as the blessing is retained. Would you bow your heads as we pray together? <clears throat> Gracious God and our Father, we thank you for having moved by way of your Holy Spirit in this place today. Lord, we would like to come clean. And Father, we're asking that the Holy Spirit may fall afresh on us. Not by might, O oh God, not by power, but by the working of your Holy Spirit. So Father, as we leave this place, May we leave filled. Thank you for your word and thank you for Jesus. For we pray in his name that everyone say, Amen.